This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I'm so excited because our next guest, Arnie Hillisland, is the generator. That's his title because he makes the best gin, my favorite gin, at distillery number 209, and he's a Bay Area native where the uh, distillery is located in kind of a renaissance man because he's done a lot of different things in his lifestyle. He grew up and worked in Silicon Valley in a career in high tech. Me too. I came from that industry and also did lots of things along the way, making his own beer, hard cider, and even training with a master distiller in Scotland. But now he is the head distiller and the generator, as I said, at number 209, the home of my favorite gin. Welcome to the show, Arnie. Thanks, Laura. It's great to speak with you again. Well, I love that you have, you know, this Renaissance background, having worked in many different areas, and now you're bringing all that collective experience to what you do with number 209 gin, and how do you think that makes you a better distiller? Do you think you're able to really, like, harness all that experience into what you're doing now? Well, certainly, uh, the aspects of high-tech, when you're in high-tech manufacturing, you know, everything has to be very precise. You measure, measure, measure. So a lot of that's in there, too. Uh, but I think the, the great benefit of coming from such a very background is that basically I'm not afraid. You know, you, <laughs> I love you just, it. You, you just try things because, A, you probably uh, don't know better, and, B, if you kind of high-tech, it's all about, uh, you know, being innovative. So it, it works out very well for me. That's true. And what's interesting, though, is you're located on the piers there in San Francisco. And I did get to visit you a couple years ago and get a tour and see what you do firsthand. That's why I'm so glad to to share you with the listeners. But the distillery itself really originated in wine country. Can you kind of give us that background? Oh, sure. Um, Yes, the original distillery was uh, built in 1882 on a uh, wonderful little winery called Edge Hill Estates, uh, just south of the main town of St. Helena in the Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, uh, the, the distiller there was a very unique individual. He uh, had a uh, patent on a vacuum distillation unit, which was very unusual for the 1880s. And uh, he came out of the distilling um, operation at Charles Krug. So he's very experienced. Um, Wanted to try new things, um, sort of like me, <laughs> and um, achieved some very uh, good results. He actually took a gold medal in uh, the Paris World's Fair in 1889 for his spirits. So, um, which, uh, you know, uh, coming from Napa in the 1880s, now, of course, you know, France knows all about the Napa Valley. But of course back in they the 1880s, <laughs> you know, they, they didn't know uh, anything about the Napa Valley. So, we're very proud of our heritage with uh, uh, Mr. Scheffler and um, and the distillery being based in the wine country. Um, unfortunately, uh, for a lot of reasons, it just didn't make sense for us to try to make gin up in, in San Helena. So we ended up uh, uh, restoring the original distillery, which is still in existence, and um, still has the uh, license number on the outside, which is registered distillery number 209, meaning it was the uh, 209th registered distillery in America. And so... Um, uh, but uh, the building is still in existence, but um, we decided to come down here to San Francisco, and it's worked out really well for us. Absolutely. Now, your gin, and especially now that the weather is getting warm, is my favorite. I'm a big Gin Ricky fan. I don't know if you, oh, yeah, I if love, you love those, but <laughs> yeah. there's something um, about your gin that I just love. It's so smooth, and the, it doesn't give me headaches. 
So what is it that makes your gin so special? I know it is, but I don't know exactly how to explain it to everyone. Tell us, in your words, how it's different. Well, certainly. Um, I think, uh, like any great uh, uh, recipe that comes together well, it all starts with really good basic ingredients. And uh, one of the things that we use is a four-times corn Four times distilled corn spirit from the Midwest is our base point. Uh, we make uh, gin the way the British do. Uh, in Britain, you must buy your uh, base spirit from a, a licensed rectifier, so we decided to go with that route. And uh, so we have this wonderful corn spirit that we use, wonderful velvety touches to it, um, great kind of a sweet note in the, in the, the back palate. So um, it works out really well. And uh, then I use um, a lot of very um, interesting ingredients from around the world. Um, one of my uh, uh, main ingredients, of course, is juniper. Can't have gin without juniper, and ours comes from uh, from Italy. And um, mm-hmm. use some orange peels from uh, Spain and um, Morocco, lemon peel. Um, also use a very interesting um, citrus called bergamot, which your listeners may or may not be familiar with uh, as a flavoring of Earl Grey tea. Right. And um, that uh, adds a really nice uh, bright note. And uh, since you mentioned the uh, the gin ricky, um, that's a great uh, uh, pairing with our citrus forward flavor that we have in the 209. And on the back side of it, I've got a little bit of a balancing point with uh, two wonderful spices, uh, um, cassia bark, which is related to cinnamon, mm-hmm. and then also um, cardamom. If uh, your listeners are familiar with curries and Indian food, you realize how uh, wonderful and uh, vibrant that spice is. So works out well for us. And would you say and tell me if this is correct, that your gin is a little um, lighter on the juniper than some others might be. So sometimes people, oh. you know, some of the gins, that can be really overwhelming. And yours, I find it to be a little more integrated with the other botanicals. Oh, certainly. Then actually, that's exactly what I was told of. Uh, to make was not to make my <laughs> my my grandfather's gin. Okay, uh, perfect. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of really wonderful big giant juniper gins out there that come from Great Britain and other places, uh, but we didn't want to be that. We know that uh, a lot of folks uh, don't particularly care for that style of gin, but they want something a little more sophisticated than just a vodka. So mm-hmm. uh, we like to think that uh, we are. Uh, a sort of a very approachable gin for folks that wouldn't normally have gin as their, their spirit of choice. I love that. And I'm going to post on the website, you all gave me a recipe for a great spring cocktail, even though I love my Ricky. It's called Raspberry Spice, and it uses the 209 gin with lemon juice, simple syrup, raspberries, and get this, a jalapeno. So to spice things up a little bit. And so we're going to post that with a link to your uh, website as well with more information about what makes your gin uh, very special, but you have some new things on the horizon. Give us a little teaser of what you have coming next for the distillery. Well, um, and last year we launched our kosher for Passover vodka, which uh, we did as a um, uh, tip of the hat to the Jewish community that enjoys to have a, a good cocktail during Passover. And so um, this year I started to work on um, my aged gin line. Mm. And so I'm, I've got some gin laid down uh, in a couple of barrels. I've got one that's a, um, a uh, Bordeaux-style cab barrel, and wow. then also I've got a, a Sauvignon Blanc barrel, uh, Dentos, um, from, uh, from France also. So I'm playing with some barrels, um, uh, as you know or may know, that were associated with the Red Winery uh, through the Red family. And so um, I uh, happen to have a good source for barrels. Love it. And so, 
uh, it's working out really well. We're having a lot of fun with it. Well, great. Well, if you want to find out more about Arnie or number 209 gin or any of the products, you can go to distillery209.com. I'll post the recipe and the link. Arnie, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, I appreciate it very much, Lori. It's always always a lot of fun to talk with you. All right. I, I can't wait to see you next time I'm in San Fran. Well, come on by. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers. We'll be back to talk certified sustainable fish with Ian Hewitt from Whole Foods on The Sipping Point. Discover the recipe for a delicious life each week on The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, each week, Saturdays at noon on WBAL 1090 AM or at WBAL.com. You're listening to The Sipping Point. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach, and we've come to my favorite segment of every show. It's called The Wine Sandwich of the Week, and that's where we sandwich delicious food in between sips of great wine. Now, the weather is warming up, and I love seafood, well, all the time, but especially now I think about seafood. And so I needed a seafood expert to help me, and I have on the line Ian Hewitt. He's from Whole Foods, and he knows all things about the best seafood and how to find it. He's originally from New York, but he's recently moved here to the Baltimore area. Must be those world champion ravens that are attracting all our new residents. But anyway, he has the knowledge of all the great fish. Thank you for being on the show, Ian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. All right. Well, you know, seafood is our thing here in Baltimore. I'm sure you know that. But it's not just any fish that you want to pick up anywhere. There are things you want to look for. And halibut is one of my favorites. And this is the peak season, as I understand, but when we're buying halibut, a lot of people want to think about being more organic or sustainable. And so I really wanted you to come on and help guide us. What does a person do if they want to find the best fish? All right. Well, there's several telltale signs to pick a best fish. I'll start off with like a whole fish. If you were predominantly looking for a whole fish, mm-hmm. you could physically examine the fish. You could look at the eyes, make sure it's not cloudy. And also another telltale sign that people kind of forget is the gills. If the gills are bright red, then that means the fish is good to go, and also it shouldn't have any kind of smell. Okay. Uh, And also, if you want to go with, like, a fillet fish, you pretty much, you want to look for texture, and also we have a third-party auditor program called Marine Stewardship Council. Okay. And they run a program uh, with working with partners to transform world seafood markets uh, and promote sustainable fishing practices, pretty much. Okay, so you're only buying fish from these approved fisheries or people who abide by the standards of the Marine Stewardship Council, right? Yes, ma'am. That's the only fish that we can allow into our stores. Wonderful. So you're kind of doing some of that hard work for us, is what you're saying. Right, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, you mentioned to me before we came on that halibut is a year-round fish, but there are peak seasons and now is one of them, right? How how do you know as a consumer, you know, when is the right time for the for the right fish, if you will? Well, to be honest with the halibut, it is a uh, the season is all is all year round. But the best time around the best time to actually pick your halibut up is around spring. And one real big way to tell that I've known through the years is it starts to get promoted a little bit more. So you start seeing a lot of uh, signage calling out the name of the halibut, trying to tell you the story of the halibut. 
mm-hmm. right when the season is start to be at, at its peak, when it's really available. Now, I can't imagine that somebody has never tried halibut before, but I'm sure that there's somebody out there listening who's never had a halibut. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how is halibut, the taste profile, and how is it different from other fish? All right. Well, I got a, well, (laughs) halibut to me, honestly, is one of my favorite fish. I call it halibut whenever (laughs) people come up and they ask me about the halibut in my case, but the taste with halibut, the funny thing is, is you can compare other fishes to other fishes, but with halibut, you can't really compare anything to it because it has such a unique taste. It's mm. really mild. It's not rich, though. It's not gamey. Uh, it has a nice flaky flaky flesh, and okay. pretty much whatever you cook it with season, like season-wise, that's what the fish tastes like. That's what's so amazing about it. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it really takes on the flavors of whatever cooking preparation you use. Right like that and um would you consider it more of a flaky or meaty fish uh to be honest with the halibut it depends on how you cook it i'll i will say it's right in the middle okay it it can it can flake up if you bake it to the right temperature but if you uh you know if you pull it out about five to five or seven minutes earlier it, it it won't be as flaky you have like more of a meaty consistency but when you eat it, you feel both of them. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, you are located at the Whole Foods in the Inner Harbor. Just if I have listeners that want to come on out and get your all of your seafood knowledge, I want them to stop by and say hi to Ian Hewitt, the seafood expert of the show. <laughs> but I twisted your arm a little bit, and you shared with me, and it's going to be on thewinecoach.com, your recipe for Ian's famous halibut. So tell me a little bit about your recipe and why it's so famous. Well, this recipe is uh, it's pretty famous to me is because this is uh, a recipe that I actually used in my household to get a lot of people that didn't consume fish to start eating fish. Oh. Um, yeah, that was the, one of the tricks that I did. I actually I actually told, told little Fib, and I told him that it was a chicken cutlet. <laughs> and I, the, way I, <laughs> the way I seasoned it up, it had a nice glaze on top, so you couldn't really tell. So, And I actually had everybody eat with blindfolds on. So, oh, nice. You know, this, is, this, is why, yeah, this is why I favor this uh, recipe. Okay. All right. So I see we have some Parmesan cheese, mayonnaise, lemon juice, right. onions. We're going to post the whole recipe. and um, But you're doing this um, in a baking dish in the oven, though, right? Yes, ma'am. We uh, actually preheat, you pre, uh, preheat the oven broiler. Uh, you grease the, the baking dish a little bit. I, use, I like to use like some gourmet uh, garlic butter that you can also find in the seafood department over here in the Harbor East. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a bowl, you mix the Parmesan cheese with a little butter, a little bit of mayonnaise, lemon juice, green onions, salt, and hot pepper sauce. And maybe if there's some moms out there that have had a hard time getting their kids to eat fish, it sounds like this might be the recipe that might turn the corner. Oh, yeah, big time. It's a very, <laughs> very mild white fish, very mild white fish. It's good with pretty much anything, but if you have a nice peculiar recipe that you can go with, you can make it a really uh, a banging dish. Oh, I love it. A banging dish. That's what I want. <laughs> All right, Ian. Well, you mentioned um, something about the Blue Ocean Institute. All right. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's also another company that we uh, partnered with not too long ago. And they, uh, they actually have ranking systems that are determined by evaluating each species, like the life history, the abundance in the wild, the wild habitat concerns and mm-hmm. the catch methods that they use to actually catch the fish. And they also provide health advisory info to alert consumers on contaminants and mercury inside of seafood. Oh, that's very useful. And how do, how would people find out more about that? Is information there at Whole Foods, or do they go online? Well, you could simply, the best 
way to go about it, me to be honest with you, is physically going up to like if you came into the Whole Foods Market in a harbor store and you actually analyze some of our signs that we have in, in our case okay. in front of our fillets, it will have like a little color coding system on the side, which should rather it, it will indicate if it's a red ranked species of fish, yellow ranked species of fish, or a green ranked species of fish. Okay. And we. And we also, we, like, if you look above our seafood counter, we have a, a big billboard that's, you know, breaking down each color coding system and telling you about, about each color, color and how we got its coding. Oh, okay. Brief, so, for instance, briefly, what I would could, the red mean? Say that again? For instance, what would the red color coding mean? Uh, red would pretty much mean uh, the abundance of a certain species is relatively low. It's pretty much an overcaught fish. Okay. And it sometimes could mean, could mean that the fishing methods that they're using can hurt, could hurt uh, like other wildlife. They can have a method called trawling where they put a net that could fit about a jumbo jet inside of it. And they put it on the bottom of the ocean and they drag and mm. they, they catch a lot of bycatch like that, like sea turtles and things like that. Okay. Right. So that's what we try to stay away from. So that's on one end. And then the green, I guess, would be the most humane, is, yeah, best. Like, right next door is rubbing elbows with the MSC. Uh, okay. Just let you know that your fish is really sustainable. Uh, the fish, the fishing method that used to catch it is probably like a hook and line catch. So the fish is only singled out. They predominantly know exactly what fish they want to get, and they're not hurting any other species around it. Well, I love that. Right. Well, you are a wealth of knowledge as far as seafood, and you share your famous recipes with us. So, Ian Hewitt, we love yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And I, I love your like knowledge. Yeah, you're new. You're new to Baltimore from New York, and we welcome you. And I, I hope my listeners will come on out, say hello at the Whole Foods Inner Harbor, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the show, Ian. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. And uh, yeah, stop by any time. We're gonna have a lot of sales, and uh, just come chat it up with the seafood team, and we'll, we'll we'll educate you on everything you need to know. Great. You can check out more about Whole Foods at WholeFoodsMarket.com. We're going to be right back.